Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to a lucky number episode 13, the final episode of the CFL 2021 season. Here we are, Grey Cup week, uh, Winnipeg at Hamilton, in Hamilton. Uh, it's going to be a, a great game of football, hopefully. Uh, weather so far looks like it's going to be okay, even though it's a Grey Cup in December. Uh, which we've never had before, but uh, should be good. So we've got, uh, we've certainly got lots that we can go through today. Uh, but first of all, uh, good evening, Ben. How are you today? My life is like absolutely fantastic. How are you? Because <laughs> the season's over. <laughs> it, like all there is hope on the horizon that I might have a life again. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking away at the scraps of what remains and thinking I might be able to put together a living person again after this is done. So <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote the last content yesterday. It feels like maybe that, uh, yeah, life might return to some bit of normalcy. I love football season, but it doesn't always love me back. So I'm ready <laughs> to, uh, to catch my breath again. That's for sure. Well, I'm sure after this weekend now you'll be able to, you know, sit back and enjoy your bears for the rest of the NFL season. <laughs> <Sorry about that. laughs> yeah, that's absolutely that's the plan, right? Like nothing says self-harm like watching Chicago Bears games that nobody is forced to. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll give it a rip. Exactly. Okay, well, as always, as we begin this episode, we want to thank our sponsor Prize Picks. Uh, they've been with us every episode this season, and so we want to um, uh, definitely thank them. And as always, Ben, can you let our listeners know about prize picks? Before I get into the read, I'll just encourage our listeners to, well, they love prize picks, also harass prize picks. They used to offer <laughs> CFL lines, and maybe if we harass them enough in the off season, we'll be able to get not just prop plays, but prize picks plays up and running for next season as well. The issue is always volume for them. So if we can convince them over in the off season that the volume will be there, if they offer the lines, maybe we'll be able to get another rip at that because that was certainly good fun. Anyways, mm-hmm. prize picks is a site that makes fantasy sports simple. So just pick over unders on two to five players on individual stats or fantasy scores from more sports than you can count, except for CFL right now, but maybe they will again if we horizon <laughs> them and you can win cash. So right now, if you sign up with promo code Ben Yaman, you can get a 100% bonus on your first deposit and help support the show. That's Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Yeah, we were talking before the show. I've been having a lot of fun. I was doing uh, college football on Saturday. I was at work. It was kind of slow. So I pulled up Prize Picks and, and did some bets and I had some a lot of fun doing that. So yeah, definitely let's, uh, let's flood the Prize Picks inbox with, uh, hey man, Let's bring back CFL for sure. All right, so here we are. Grey Cup 2021. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, it's this Sunday afternoon. Right now, it's uh, on Bodog. I checked earlier this afternoon. It was showing Winnipeg minus three with a 44 over under. Currently, the weather is high of four, low of two Celsius. Mix of sun and cloud for a football game on December 12th in Canada, that's actually not terrible weather, I would think. So, uh, what sort like of that's a bed- top 10% outcome, I would have to say, probably, right? Like, December anywhere in Canada, you're just assuming minus 10 wind, snow that like that's seasonal. So, to get something above yeah. zero with some sun, that's like that's hot magic for the league. 
They, uh, yeah. I don't know which deities they have been servicing, but <laughs> they have certainly done everything that they can to try and get good weather. And yeah, man alive, it'll be as nice a great cup as you could hope for given the circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially watching the, the Ryder Winnipeg game. Oh, that looked cold. That did not look enjoyable for anybody outside there. So no, uh, that could well have been the yeah, great. It's cup, like but... I told my family, it was the first time. Yeah. First time I could remember thinking, I am glad this is not a home playoff game because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to have to sit there out in that misery and like, no. yeah, congratulations, Winnipeg. You won the game. You yeah. deserve to win the game. You were the better team clearly throughout the season and Saskatchewan still almost luck box their way into a great cup appearance, right? Like that was closer yeah. than it should ever have been in most of our books. So yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out this week. So do you so, think, yeah, like you uh, said, it was, yeah. So do you think the, the bombers are that minus three favorite? Is that where you're going to be laying your money down I think, this weekend? Yeah. Like we can get into that a little bit more deeper, but yeah, I'll take Winnipeg in the points pretty confidently right now. Cause yeah, also too. personally, I've got a Hamilton to win the Grey Cup ticket in my back pocket at Hamilton plus three fifty, so I oh, can oh. throw my uh, I can throw my money down on Winnipeg minus three as a pretty nice hedge, and no, either way, I'm making money on Sunday afternoon. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, it, it, there is only good outcomes on Sunday afternoon, so I'm excited to watch this football game and yeah. see somebody end this thing mercifully for us in the midst of what has been a long and weird season. So, yeah, right now, I think uh, Winnipeg minus three is a solid line. Even if we saw Winnipeg minus six or seven, that still seems like a pretty solid outcome. Winnipeg yeah. and Hamilton faced off all the way back in week one, and that was a far more one-sided outcome than even the score showed. It was a 19-6 final score, for those who don't remember back that far. Hamilton <laughs> scored the first touchdown really quick in the game with a Mazzoli to Acklin play deep in the corner. And then Winnipeg scored 19 unanswered with even without Harris in the lineup. Even Brady Oliveira looked good in that game and that's something going into this season. So Kenny Lawler had a pair of touchdowns in the game as well. Mostly I remember that Bodog had the first half over under set at three and a half points. And that was... <laughs> That was the first free money play of the CFL lines for the season. It was a good like omen for the entire rest of the season where there were basically free money lines to be found every week if you were keeping your eyes out at various books. So yeah, thanks Bodog for the <laughs> first half over and under of three and a half points that we cashed a few hundred dollars on for those of us who were watching. Um, yeah, it's been all good things from there. So Winnipeg and Hamilton throughout this season averaged 23 and 24 or 20.4 points respectively. So that would give them an over-under of 43.4. So that over-under currently on the books at 44 really feels like they just kind of lazily threw out, well, how many points do these guys usually score? Yeah, that sounds like a line. So the interesting part is that these teams together averaged only giving up 30.8 points per game. So if you take somewhere in between even and just do a gross average, which is a really bad way to develop lines, mm -hmm. under 44 still seems like a solid play in this game. Now, given it's the weather being good, given it's players that want to win a great cup, there's some added motivation, all these kind of things, maybe the scores go up, but 
This has been a season in which points have been hard to come by. We're seeing the two best defenses in the CFL playing off against each other in a championship game. The average giving up only 30 points a game between the two of them. So I think under and the Winnipeg minus three are pretty comfortable bets for me at this point. Where are you sitting at things, sir? Yeah, I'm that minus three. I'm incredibly comfortable with that. I think that... um it's pretty generous of a lot of the books that I saw for uh, for the Blue Bombers. I mean, if these two teams look familiar, they you know in the Great Cup they were just there two years ago. Uh, of course, there wasn't a Great Cup last year, but in 2019, uh, Winnipeg defeated Hamilton to win the Great Cup that year, and that was the 33-12 final. So uh, again, you want to talk about kind of lazy lines? Okay, that was a 45 was the total. This one's 44, but I think this one you really got to look at the Winnipeg defense. Uh, they've only allowed, you know, 13.4 points a game this season. Um, so, and I, I kind of did some quick math. Winnipeg on average is averaging about 27 points per game this season. So, I, in my mind, I, yeah, I think it's it's Winnipeg's defense that's that's been the dominant factor this whole season. And I can't see Hamilton putting up, you know, the the 20 points that... Uh, the the sports books have it set at for sure. So I would definitely, yeah, minus six, I would still be comfortable with the Bombers uh, and definitely under that 44 number uh, for sure. The other, um, you know, kind of segueing from that into kind of more of some of the props bets. Uh, the other over-under that I really like that I saw in Bodog is the first half under. I think the first half, they have it, uh, one of the options was 22.5. Um, I really like that under. I think that... Um, I think this game would be hard pressed to get to 44. Uh, and in my experience, most of those points come in the second half, especially in a great cup game like this, where a lot of players are going to be, you know, there's going to be some adrenaline, some excitement um, in that, that first half. So usually I find more of the points are scored in the second half than in the first half. So uh, that's uh, one of the props that I do like. Um, I know Ben, you were, I saw on Twitter, you were posting about some of the, the, the individual props. What were some of the ones that you liked? Yeah, there there is a little bit of silly season going on early on this morning that's somewhat self-corrected, but is certainly really wild out there. Dane Evans' props hadn't come out until today, whereas most of the other game props were up early on in the week, Monday, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. But Dane Evans' attempts and completions props popped this morning. Dane Evans, 12.5 completions and 17.5 pass attempts. Now, he could get that in the first half quite comfortably. Mm -hmm. So if you are on Bet Regal and you haven't got those yet, well, shame on you. But they're still <laughs> out there right now at Dane Evans at 16 completions and 22 and a half attempts. Right now, Hamilton projects for 31.9 attempts in the game. So really the only reason to go to not just bet the house on over on those is the possibility that maybe he sucks and gets benched for Jeremiah Mazzoli in the second half with Hamilton feeling desperate, mm -hmm. and maybe 15 of their 30 attempts wind up second half attempts just trying to claw back into a game. So, like, there's a possibility Dane Evans finds a way to blow this and get benched, but really him getting benched is the only possibility 
that's out there for him not getting at least 22 and a half attempts and probably 16 completions in the game as well. So those are probably two of the safest props on the book. There's a number of other ones I still really like, though. Um, Don Jackson is being somewhat overlooked for Andrew Harris this week as a running back, but the Jackson over-under attempts has been set at 12 and a half, and it's sat there pretty much all week. He's had over that in all but one of his starts this season, so I think over 12 and a half rushing attempts is pretty safe. Don Jackson over 61 and a half rushing yards is also something I like a lot. Most people get scared of the Winnipeg defense, but throughout the first half of the season and beyond, Winnipeg's was actually the worst rush defense in the league. And mm. if you look at what they project for this week, Hamilton projects for 5.3 yards per carry, while Winnipeg projects for just 4.2 yards per carry in the matchups that they've drawn. So Jackson, if he can get even 12 rush attempts, as the prop is sitting at, 61.5 rush yards is really quite easy for him, um, Mm -hmm. given what the projections sit at. And if he gets closer to the 14-15 carries a game that he's actually been getting since he took over the starting role, he could crush that 60 yards pretty easily in the game. So um, going on from there, Zach Caleros is set at 24.5 passing attempts, and he projects for 29.5 in the game. Uh, I think a lot of that is really drawn down from last week when he had only six pass attempts in the second half because he was just so absolutely dreadful in the first half. They just tried to hide him, and they were able Mm -hmm. to do that versus the Saskatchewan rush defense. It was really quite porous in the second half of the season. But uh, Kolaros over 24.5 passing attempts is a pretty safe bet. Um, On the other side of that, Andrew Harris rushing prop was set at 98.5 rush yards. If you take the projections seriously and he's only going to get about 4.2 yards per carry, he'd need like 25 rush attempts in the game to hope to get to the 100 to beat the 98.5 rush yard attempts. And I don't think that's likely to happen in this game. I think it plays a little bit closer than that. And they're not just going to be able to run out the clock like they tried to do versus Saskatchewan in the West Final. So I'm taking Andrew Harris under 98.5 rush yards with quite a bit of confidence. Uh, On the receiving side of things, Kenny Lawler over 50.5 receiving yards and over 3.5 receptions also feels pretty good in this spot given that they're probably going to have to pass a bit more than they had to in their first playoff game. The last one is Mm -hmm. contingent on depth charts coming out on Saturday. If Braylon Addison is in for the game, so playing active, Tim White likely takes the most significant hit of all the Hamilton receivers, and right now he's still sitting at 53.5 receiving yards on his prop and four receptions. There's a chance even if Tim White plays the full game, he's not going to get 53.5 receiving yards and four receptions, Mm -hmm. but if he gets bumped to the field-wide receiver position or even right to the bench with Braylon Addison back in the lineup, then the Tim White unders on 53.5 yards and under on four receptions are both maybe as solid bets as the Dane Evans over on 12 and a half completions and 17 and a half attempts. So those are a dozen of probably my favorite prop bets going into the weekend. And there may even be some other ones out there that you can see in spot. There was one that popped up earlier today on bet Regal of who would have more passing yards, Dane Evans or Zach Caleros. And I think Caleros was sitting at minus 100 while Evans was sitting at plus 150. And if you're getting plus money on the quarterback that's expected to have to pass a whole lot more, given that they'll have a negative gain script playing from behind, 
man, getting plus money on Dane Evans having more passing yards is actually a pretty safe bet, especially given that Hamilton regularly passed for over 300 yards this season, whereas Winnipeg really only passed for close to 300 even once. So if you can still find that somewhere with the Dane Evans versus Zach Caleros passing yards and get plus money on the Evans side, I think that's a pretty safe bet too. Yeah, because the the bet isn't who's going to be holding up the Grey Cup at the end of the game, um, right? Who's going to be having the most passing yards? And so, yeah, for sure, um, Dane Evans could totally uh, that could be very realistic. Uh, it was funny as you were talking. I was looking on on Bodog, and they don't have individual quarterback props. They have like the team. So um, team, yeah, Hamilton quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. The total passing attempts in the game, Hamilton quarterbacks, they have at 32.5. And then total right. completions, Hamilton quarterbacks, same 20.5. Um, but that's that could be Evans and Caler- or Evans and uh, Mazzoli. So, right, and that's uh, frankly sure you, where you the read- line should be set. Like, those are fairly sharp lines. But, yeah, like, to yeah. get the Dane Evans over 12.5 and 17.5 and is just silly season. So that's those are as easy bets as the last week of the regular season where we just cashed in thousands of dollars on Bet Regal and said thank you very much, right? Those are <laughs> yeah. put down as much as they'll let you, but it's probably only, like, 50 bucks at this point if you've been succeeding to the point that we have at this point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, okay, so I think those are the the bets that we're looking at for this Grey Cup game. Uh, now, kind of turning the page to DraftKings. Uh, now, obviously, there's only one CFL game this Sunday, so there isn't the um, classic... Um, uh, what are the words I'm trying to say? It's a showdown. It's not the the classic kind of style. Yeah. So. Ben, can you kind of give our listeners a you know kind of a thirty second refresher on on the, what the differences are? Um, if yeah, guys like when you're building, building the classic contest lineups, you're building one quarterback, one running back, two receivers, two flex spots that can be either receiver or running back in a defense. You're positionally locked into having some of each position, right? Right. In the showdown contest, there's only five lineup spots, and everybody is utility, so every spot is a flex position that can have quarterback, running back, receiver, or defense in it. So you're not really building around which is going to be the better quarterback, which is the better running back, which are better receivers. You're just simply looking for the most possible points that you can squeeze into a lineup regardless of position. So -hmm. that leads to some interesting builds where you're not necessarily looking for the top projections all the time. You're looking for interesting correlations to find Mm -hmm. lineups that have upside to be able to get to the top of contests. Because... It's easy to just look at it, and the salaries are low enough. You can basically put whoever you want in a lineup this week and have it still fill out. None of the salaries are particularly high, and there's some really cheap value plays that anybody can plug in a lineup really easily of just who would be the top projected scoring lineup. The issue is going to be is that lineup basically never wins. It's Mm going to be the matter of figuring out which weird play pops out of nowhere, or which correlations are going to lead you to interesting possibilities that will actually have a chance to win the contest as opposed to chopping it between 73 people and everybody getting $4 out of it. (laughs) So as you're thinking about who is going to be playing this weekend and how many entries in it, I think it's a 21 max entry for the Maple Leaf this weekend, which will be the largest showdown contest they've had all season. 
So $2,000 first prize is actually worth putting some thought and uh, time into considering how you want to build lineups. So going through it, we'll go through it position by position, but then we'll have some thoughts at the end on interesting build strategies and what that looks like. So looking at quarterback to start with, we've got Winnipeg and Hamilton, and they were the two top pass defenses in the CFL this season. So it's going to be tough going Mm -hmm. for both of the quarterbacks. That said, they're still both the top two projected players in the contest this week simply because they touch the ball every play. So Caleros outprojects Evans by a couple of points, and it's actually cheaper to play Caleros than Evans at this point. If you're if you're keeping your eye out just as contests popped earlier this week, DraftKings and Timmy really did a number on salaries, and they had Dane <laughs> Evans priced at sixty five hundred, and they had Jeremiah Mazzoli priced over thirteen thousand. They hadn't spent any time at all thinking about who was actually going to be playing. So we managed to get them to redo the salary restructure this week and repost the contest so that it'll actually be somewhat reflective of who's playing and for how much. So Caleros outprojects Evans by a couple of points, but is actually a little less expensive. So there's that, and certainly he'll be the more popular quarterback of the two. Hamilton also allowed nearly twice as many passing touchdowns this season as Winnipeg did. As pretty much everybody knows, Winnipeg gave up single-digit touchdowns through the air this season, less than one a game, mm-hmm. uh, is a pretty difficult bet to have to face from a fantasy perspective. So if Evans is to have an edge over Caleros, it's that he gets the rushing touchdowns inside the five-yard line for Hamilton, while Caleros comes off the field once they see the five-yard line and gets zero. So if there's a place to beat Winnipeg, it's actually on the ground, as we mentioned earlier on this season. So having Evans as their de facto goal line running back actually gives him a little bit of an edge and an interesting play if you're not playing both quarterbacks to think that you could probably run Evans out there naked even at, what is he, $12,000 salary-wise with the possibility that maybe he scores both of their touchdowns and their receivers that are priced up a little bit really aren't worth the value at all. So there is something to think through game script-wise as to how you want to build lineups in that direction. There's also, as gross as it is, but we've talked about it a number of times this season, a fair case to be made to have some Sean McGuire exposure in your lineups as well. If you're going to have <laughs> 21 lineups you might have at least one or two Maguire lineups out there. He's priced up significantly at, I think, 7500 which is a lot more than you'd want to pay for a backup quarterback. But if you think of it in terms of you need to have every touchdown in your lineup to win more than mm-hmm. likely, if Maguire mm-hmm. comes out and has two rushing touchdowns, that probably kills Andrew Harris' value and Zach Caleros' value. And all of a sudden, if you've got McGuire in your lineup, you're probably the winner, and he's likely to be sub-5% owned, maybe sub-10%. So having some McGuire in your player pool is likely smart, as he has two touchdown upside, and his touchdown would likely kill the value of the rest of the Bombers' offense, which would make him a contrarian play in that direction too, as Mm -hmm. Bombers' players are likely to be significantly higher owned than the Ticats options for the same reason. So, yeah, if you're thinking through quarterbacks, I think those are all (laughs) things to keep in mind as you're building. If you get to the running backs, you've got Andrew Harris, who similarly outpaces Don Jackson in projections by a couple of points. Um, but again, there's some contrarian ways of looking at this that may actually make Jackson the better play. So if Braylon Addison is out, 
Jackson probably gets a couple extra carries out of the backfield that Addison would eat up otherwise, and his projection bumps up a little bit more, brings him a little bit closer to the Andrew Harris range. Um, right now they sit at 15 and a half compared to 11 and a half. So there is a significant gap there, kind of 25, 30%. Um, Harris is priced 2K more expensive though than Jackson, which is sizable given Hamilton's was the best rush defense in the league this season. As I mentioned previously, Winnipeg projects for just 4.3 yards per carry in the game while Hamilton projects for 5.4. So if you think of it in those terms, there's actually reason to think that getting that 2K in uh, salary relief could be meaningful given that Jackson will have a lot easier matchup to try and work with. So Harris projects for about 19 touches on the game, while Jackson projects for just 14. And that's really the difference in the projection at this point, given that Jackson is expected to have significant more efficiency. Both running backs also lose touches to quarterbacks inside the five-yard line, which is kind of a saw-off and makes them both a little bit of a risk. But Jackson is slightly more game script independent as he has five target upside on any given game whereas Harris no longer gets the checkdowns that he used to see and is pretty much totally out of their passing game. So there's reasons to think that Jackson, even priced where he is, may still be the superior play to Harris. As we saw outside of the West Final, Harris had really kind of been a bust so far in the fantasy season as he doesn't get targets, he doesn't get touchdowns, and unless he has 170 yards on the ground, it's hard to see him justifying an $11,000 salary in the contest. So I think it's certainly something to keep in mind and not just take things at face value where it's just simply bombers win, Harris better, go Harris. Um, (laughs) Now, now before you jump over... Yeah. Now, before you get to wide receivers, because um, the showdown, you're you don't need to have one quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Right. If a guy asked you, should I be running one of these running backs even, or should I be putting that salary towards uh, maybe more upside wide receivers kind of thing? Uh, I think as I have built lineups throughout the week, neither Harris or Jackson pop in the optimal lineup. I think if you, I ran a couple of sets of 100 lineups just to see how much of a guy winds up popping. Harris winds up in about 40% of optimal lineups and Jackson at his salary winds up in about 30%. So that's kind of a barometer for me of how much I'll look at having them in my player pool on a given week. So you'll certainly, if you're building a full 21 lineup, you're going to want to have some of both of those guys in there. If you're just building a single entry, I think you're absolutely fine to leave both of them out there um, and maybe especially leave Harris out just because most people are going to lean towards Harris had a great Western final. Winnipeg is the favorite. Clearly Harris is going to get 75 carries and 397 rush yards. And well, <laughs> Harris will be there in every lineup for them. Right. So I think probably if anything, yeah. Harris will probably be overowned in the contest as people won't be looking nearly as closely at the Hamilton rush defense as they should and just assume he's going to get the same kind of workload as he had in the West Final, even though the West Final was really kind of an anomaly as far as game script goes due to the weather conditions and the lack of competency of the Saskatchewan offense, right? That this isn't going to be a minus 25 game with 40 mile an hour wins again. This is actually going to be reasonably nice weather in which teams can pass or run at their leisure. It's not going to be like that terrible Buffalo-New England game where New England ran 73 times, passed four, (laughs) 
and won the game walking away, right? Like this isn't that kind of a winter football game. This will be a little bit more of an average CFL game. So I don't think there's any reason to believe that Harris gets those 20 plus carries this week, unless it's a total blowout. And if that's what you're going to build around, then have Harris in there and think of him in terms of stacking with the Winnipeg defense. Because as Harris goes, so goes that defense. And as the defense goes, so goes Harris. They're pretty directly correlated that if Winnipeg wins heavy, probably their defense had a good game. And that's probably his road to getting 23, 24 touches, which he'd need to get to the 100-yard bonus and maybe a score that makes his $11,000 salary worthwhile. If you see it as a little bit closer game, I think you kind of lower your expectations for Harris accordingly and think that he probably has to get in the end zone to pay off that 11K salary. Yeah, and I I would have to think that for the average CFL fan, uh, they've probably heard of Andrew Harris before, right? So if they're sitting down to DraftKings, they probably recognize his name, uh, (laughs) might not recognize John John Jackson's name as well. So that could bump up ownership as well. So... Um, yeah, if you're trying to build kind of a more, a contra- not, not even a contrarian lineup, but a lineup to compete. Um, yeah, don't, uh, I don't feel like you have to yeah. go to Andrew Harris. As my friends at establishtherun.com so often say, if you think you're going to compete with guy who's sitting on the toilet on Sunday afternoon, building lineups on his smartphone, you have to expect Andrew Harris is probably in that guy's lineup. And if you're going to yeah. be the smart player who's looking to build something a little bit better and a little bit more analytic-based, Harris is a pretty easy fade in single-entry contests, given the context. Yeah. So if we're getting to the wide receivers and uh, going from there, three of the top four projected receivers are all bombers, as their efficiency Mm -hmm. is so much higher throughout the season. Their pass rates have all been 1.9 points per attempt to even 2.3, I think, at one point for Kenny Lawler, whereas Ticats receivers are all more in that 1.7 and below type average. So they're just a lot more efficient offense. So three of those four with uh, Lawler, Dembski, and Bailey all kind of pop, and they all have TD upside in the game. And as I said, you're probably going to need to have just about every touchdown in your lineup if you're going to win. So those Mm. guys are going to pop in the projections and pop in most of the lineups, even though their salaries are up a little bit more from the Hamilton receivers. Then you've got poor old Darvin Adams, still priced near 9K in this showdown contest. And really, he's been more of a 5K producer and there's really nothing more than kind of a multi-entry sprinkle, just like you might have for uh, Sean McGuire having your one or two lineups in a set of 20. The Hamilton wide receiver core is a lot tougher to figure out what to do with until we see a depth chart on Saturday, because Addison is uh, really the wild card in that lineup. If Addison is in, then Tim White is the most likely deeply affected player, as he will be bumped to either field wide receiver or right to the bench. Um, David Ungerer, a possible punt play at min price, would also be to the bench, or at best, maybe a split with White at the field wide receiver position. So if Addison is in, you probably don't want much White and absolutely zero Ungerer. Um, it takes a couple of carries from Jackson as well if Addison is in, so keep that in mind that lineups with both Jackson and Addison are probably cannibalizing each other a little bit. Pappy White also may disappear completely as a punt option in the 3K range, as he'll probably be inactive if Braylon Addison is active. Now, if Addison winds up being out, 
and he's only practiced partially over the last three weeks. He has yet to run fully with the offense at any point. Then Tim White and Don Jackson get a small bump up in projections from where I've had them to this point. David Ungerer continues to be a long shot MME sprinkle at 2,500. And Pappy White would be a punt option as well at 3K as he had that punt return touchdown last week and showed that the possibility is there. That said, Hamilton and Winnipeg special teams are two of the top five units or maybe even two of the top three units in the league this season as far as punt return yards per attempt and kick return yards per attempt, they just don't give much up. So playing pure returners this week, whether it's Janarian Grant at 5K or Pappy White at 3, they're they're real stretches. You're probably not going to see the value play out there for you, and there's probably better punt options available. Um, And that brings them to kind of the value range of the defense and special teams that are both really significantly underpriced relative to the rest of the field in the contest. And given the strength of both units are pretty solid options. I think Hamilton is priced in the 4K range and yeah. Oh, sorry. Hamilton is 5,500 and the Blue Bombers are 6,400. And they're actually two of the best values at any position in the contest at those prices is Winnipeg averaged about 14 points a game as a fantasy defense this season and Hamilton was still in double digits as well. So both of them are solid units for solid exposure in the contest. Both had similar sack and turnover numbers in the low 30s, but Hamilton allowed 40 sacks this season, which was among the worst in the league, while Winnipeg allowed just 20 sacks this season. So if you're going to look at the edge in what the matchup is, Winnipeg's defense is certainly still the better play between the two. And you can certainly look at lineups even that use both defenses, given the way scoring has gone in CFL this season. It's rare that you'd want to do that in many showdown contests, just because the upside isn't usually there for scoring on defense. But if you consider you're taking the under, if you consider they're both double-digit average point scorers, and that their salaries are relatively low, it's not crazy to have some two defense lineups in your set as well. So yeah, Hmm. both of them are pretty solid plays going into the week, which isn't something that most of us likely would have expected going into a great cup at the start of the season. Um, In terms of thinking about how you're building, if you're building through an optimizer, um, some of the rules you might want to consider for the week is max one Winnipeg quarterback. You're probably going to have both of them in your player pool to build with. You don't want Caleros and Maguire in the same lineup, I don't think as they're really directly cannibalizing each other. If Maguire is scoring, that means Caleros isn't. If Caleros is scoring the touchdowns, it means Maguire isn't rushing them in. So having more than one Winnipeg quarterback is certainly something you would want to group out. Um, Also having probably max one of Maguire and Andrew Harris as they complete directly for rushing TDs. Harris isn't going to score through the air more than likely, and Maguire is the only competition he has for rushing touchdowns. So reality is, if Harris is set at 11K and Maguire all the way up almost to 8, you're not going to get enough rushing touchdowns in the game versus the best rushing defense in the CFL where both of them are going to to be able to hit value at 11K and almost 8 competitively. So probably max one of those two. Um, if you're thinking about how to build around Caleros, I think you probably stack Caleros lineups with at least one wide receiver, maybe two. 
Um, mm-hmm. Make sure that you don't build into the optimizer just to stack all quarterbacks, or you're going to wind up with stacking with Maguire plays as well. And really, Maguire is a play you don't want to have any Winnipeg receivers in on because they're probably just going to be wasting away and not getting the touchdowns that they need to win the contest. I think you can make Mm -hmm. a case to stack Dane Evans, given that he's priced all the way up to 12,000 instead of the 6,500 he was originally released at, (laughs) as he could rush in all their touchdowns, right? And he's, we've seen games from them this season where Evans has had two rushing touchdowns like he did in the East final. And all of a sudden they're high priced receivers like Banks or Addison really aren't going to be worth it anymore. I think Acklin, mm-hmm. Dunbar, and Tim White are all cheap enough that you'll get some stacks naturally happen in Dane Evans' lineups, as Optimizer will seek the value of the cheaper guys there, as they're all significantly underpriced compared to what you'd expect for them. Banks and Addison are both really expensive enough that probably you want max one of them as well, as it's difficult mm-hmm. to see that uh, Brandon Banks would be able to pay off an 11k salary and Addison near 9k in the same lineup. Um, folks, also just to keep one other thing in mind, people usually err on the side of having max one offensive player versus their defense, um, and that's the way usually optimizers set up initially because you think, well, if I'm playing a defense, why would I want a bunch of offensive players versus them? But your reality is, if you're going to play a defense, what you're hoping for is a defensive touchdown. And there's nothing that means that those offensive players can't still score touchdowns as well. So I think you have to be open and let it open up wide up and have at least three and probably four offensive players even available versus a defense because you're not looking for something necessarily just to keep the scoring down, but rather having open the possibility that a defense scores one or two touchdowns in a game potentially, and all of a sudden you've got a really unique lineup build where you've got just the Winnipeg defense and four Hamilton players that need to play from behind and are passing all over the field. And all of a sudden, hey, it makes sense. And that's how they scored their touchdowns, right? So mm-hmm. CFL showdown is usually a really big chop fest because there is no captain position like you get for college football or NFL football. So finding unique builds that maybe are a little bit outside of the natural way of thinking through correlations to maximize your opportunities to have a unique lineup is probably the optimal play that you can find and not just trying to build the maximum number of points into each lineup. So as you're thinking about rules, as you're thinking about ways to build, I think probably think unique game situations and game script dependent plays that will give you a little bit of an interesting route towards getting a lineup that maybe other people haven't considered due to it being a little bit outside the box. Yeah, knowing your experience in these kind of uh, like one game showdowns, especially for like the Maple Leaf, is there usually like one winner or is there usually a handful of guys that kind of split the pot? (laughs) <laughs> it, it it goes always. I think the last Grey Cup in 2019, there was a single winner with a unique lineup that managed to take the top prize. There have also been a number of weeks in which I have won the showdown contest and lost money in the contest because first place <laughs> was split between 32 people with the same obvious lineup. And then all of a sudden, because it's chopped so thin between them, you wind up actually losing money in the contest despite having won said contest. So you have to be open to the possibility that you could win this weekend, 
and lose money nonetheless. But at this point, I think everybody's playing for fun as much as they are for anything else in these kind of silly CFL showdown contests that DraftKings put together. So yeah, I'd say more often than not, it winds up being split up between a number of people and you don't get the top prize you're hoping for, but it certainly can happen if you build something unique and something goes a little bit funny that you wind up with a single winner that takes home a pretty nice prize to end the season. Right. You mean to tell me there's risk involved with gambling, Ben? Who knew, Jared, right? <laughs> the, well, I guess it depends. If you're playing on Bet Regal, there isn't a lot of risk involved. <laughs> That's basically free money at, so far as the experience with them. But yes, on DraftKings, you might lose a bunch of money, and that's half of what makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I think we've given you guys tons of information to to help you build uh, your DraftKings uh, lineup. Um, best of luck to you guys for sure this weekend. Now, uh, this concludes our 2021 season. Um, we're going to be off now for a little while, but I think, Ben, uh, uh, we haven't talked about it in too much detail yet, but I do think we're going to pop in once or twice through the off season um, just to kind of help give our listeners uh, maybe a little insight during um, what free agency and those sorts of things. Yeah. I, you, it feels like this game? is, I don't think we, yeah, we can't afford Sarah McLaughlin music in the podcast, right, Jared? <laughs> Prize picks isn't paying that much, but it feels like this yeah. is when we should have the montage of video clips from throughout the season of Ben Mead's mean yeah. tweets and whatever else with her crooning, <laughs> I will remember you with pictures of sad animals in the background. And then we fade <laughs> yeah. to black at the end of it and say, happy 2021, we'll see you in the new year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, one I, I think we'll probably have, yeah, oh gosh, no. What a terrible song. <laughs> I don't care if that's a bad take. It's a terrible song. What an annoying thing. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll pop in, I think, intermittently throughout the off season when there's things that are worth talking about. Um, yeah. That probably won't be until February, I would guess, when we start seeing some of the free agency start to happen and see some of the player movement. And yeah, we'll pop in time to time and put some things together. Maybe have my kids on the podcast yeah. and let them tell you why they're better at fantasy than the rest of the audience is or something like that. We'll <laughs> figure it out. But uh, yeah, yeah, either way, it's been a fun experiment. I hope people have enjoyed the ride and keep sending those mean tweets and I'll keep blocking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a few of those. If we had more time, I'm sure we could have gone over them. But uh uh, we want to kind of give you guys as much information as we can in a succinct amount of time so that you can get prepared for this great cup. And as Ben said, thank you very much for for listening to Plays in Action. Uh, this is our inaugural uh, season of of episodes. It's uh, It's been a blast. I don't know about for everyone else, but for Ben and I, it's been a lot of fun getting together each week and chatting and, uh, and doing this for sure. So uh, best of luck this great cup Sunday. Uh, we hope your lineups and your bets are profitable and you have a lot of fun uh, watching the game with that and uh, for sure we'll pop in and uh, definitely by uh, uh, season or by week one of the 2022 CFL season Ben and I will be back here uh, giving you all the different plays in action that you can find in your bets and drafting lineups all right my friend thank you very much this has been fun good time go team math <laughs> yeah, go team math all right take care everyone